Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What if you're tasked with helping mom or dad pay for something big like assisted living or something else significant? By the way, this might be a question you have for you, too. How do you optimize, by keeping your taxes in check, the assets that you have at your disposal? The investment and tax implications are different when using an IRA versus a Roth versus an after-tax account that could be invested for interest income or dividend income, or for that matter, the income from a home. Sell it or rent it. And if you sell it, what's the most efficient way to invest it while being mindful of your taxes. Every dollar matters, and you've got to make sure your strategy is right for you. Otherwise, you could end up paying way more in taxes than you need to. I'm Wes Moss. The prevailing thought in America is that you'll never have enough money, and it's almost impossible to retire early. Actually, I think the opposite is true. For more than 20 years, I've been researching, studying, and advising American families, including those who started late, on how to retire sooner and happier. So my mission with the Retire Sooner podcast is to help a million people retire earlier while enjoying the adventure along the way. I'd love for you to be one of them. Let's get started. Thanks to live radio, not talking about the podcast, I get just live questions thrown out every week. And I guess I don't talk about it a whole lot here on the podcast, but I've been hosting a, a live radio show in Atlanta on WSB Radio. It's 95.5 if you're in Atlanta for 10 years, actually almost 15 years. And it's live on Sunday mornings and I'm always encouraging people to call in and say, hey, throw at me whatever you got. It's uh, me and my producer, Ryan Ely, are in there Sunday morning. So we're just kind of, you know, it's just lonely in the studio. We'd love some phone calls. And we get a lot of interesting calls. And I love taking calls because sometimes it's about a topic that I haven't been asked for a little while or something I may have reviewed with somebody and it hasn't come up for a while because it's almost understood with the families that I actually do financial planning with. But in this context, you've got folks that are calling in because they're managing their money on their own and they very often come to kind of a fork in the road and they want to know, hey, what's somebody else's opinion. This guy West has been on the radio for almost 15 years. What what do you say I should do? And and I got a call recently, and we'll call him Carter, who was 38, and he was taking care of the finances for his mom. His mom, Agnes, is 78. So he's 38, she's 78. There's a 40 years in between the two of them. And he's starting to have kids, and he's starting to raise a young family. He's starting to hit his stride in his work, but he's super busy. But she's going into an assisted living facility, and she needs to figure out how to pay for it. So, of course, my first question is, well, first of all, how, how old are you and how old is mom? And what's it going to cost? Well, it's going to be six grand a month. All right. So that's what we got to fund. We gotta, he found, he's found her a place. It's a great place. He feels comfortable with her there. But now we got to figure out the finances on this. She has social She's single. She's not married. Agnes has about 1600 bucks coming in from Social Security. So not a ton. Not a ton of Social Security. So after taxes, she needs another $4,400 in order to pay for 
this assisted living facility. Now, this is kind of an all-inclusive deal, so her spending might not be a whole lot beyond that, but we know she at least needs to get to 6000 Not a lot of income, but she does have some assets. She's a house, $350,000. Right now, it doesn't have a mortgage. She bought it three years ago. She's an IRA, retirement account of about $400,000. And you might think, well, that sounds like a pretty simple equation. She's got plenty of money in the IRA. She could just use that. But Carter's question was, what's the best way to use this money? And some light bulbs went off in my head. And I said, you know, there's a, actually a lot to think about this on what seems like a pretty straightforward question. There's a lot to think about. He said, Wes, should I sell a house or rent it out? Because we can get a lot of rent for this thing. And if we sell it, what are the ramifications of that? And what should we do with the money? So here he is, a son, trying to do the best thing for his mom. And he's trying to figure out a way to really maximize her assets, maximize her investments. So there's two main objectives here. First of all, it's not about just the asset level. It's about how much of those asset levels she gets to keep, meaning net of taxes. We've got to be careful about taxes because that's a simple question. Hey, should I rent the house, sell the house, and or use the retirement money? So I immediately thought of different ways to structure this, how and when to use which assets. So the Carter and his mom have the most money after they pay taxes. And the decisions they make here can move the meter a lot. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So that's number one. Number two is to keep the assets growing in the most appropriate way. So should they or should Carter help her by first tapping the IRA, rent out the house or sell the house? And then if you sell the house, what do you do with the proceeds? And we'll get to that in just a minute. But here are five things to really think about when it comes to distributing your assets or when it comes time. And if you're listening to the Retire Sooner podcast, maybe you're saving, saving, saving mode. But as soon as you switch to spending, 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 or what we call distribution mode, there's a lot to think about. Number one, if you start to use too much of the IRA money, maybe too quickly, you could end up or wind up paying way more in overall taxes than you have to. Number two, we've got to think of this because this is actually a combination of investment planning along with being thoughtful about your taxes. You've got to think about what do taxes for you today look like versus taxes in the future. In this case, it would be Agnes's taxes today and her taxes over time. This also relates back to the question we often get about how much money should you convert or should you convert at all from a regular IRA into a tax-free Roth IRA? And we all know by listening to the Ed Slot episode that if you do that and you do it in mass or really quickly with a big chunk of money, it really defeats the purpose. Because if you convert a $500,000 IRA and you do it all in one year, you just added a half a million dollars to your overall taxes. And what does that do? Well, guess what? You end up landing in the highest tax bracket. So even if you're in the 10% overall tax bracket, now guess what? You're in the 37% bracket and that doesn't even count state. Number three, thinking about the income that gets paid out from different types of assets. For example, bonds pay out interest that gets taxed at ordinary income. If you have rental income, 
What you get to keep from that depends on a whole host of variables when it comes to depreciation from your real estate and a long list of other things. When it comes to income you receive from stocks or dividend income, particularly qualified dividend income, which is what you would receive from most of the companies that you know of, have heard of, that pay dividends, that's a whole different tax bracket. And guess what? It's very favorable for investors, meaning that dividend income is typically lower, much lower than ordinary income rates we pay on bond interest, for example, which is also similar to what we pay on our wage income. Now, I'm setting aside FICA and Medicare, et cetera. I'm really talking about just your main federal bracket and your state income taxes. Speaking of state, number five, thinking about what state you live in. We all know the high tax states. New Jersey is an example. New York is an example. California is an example. Oregon is an example where... Not only do you have your federal taxes, but you can have state income taxes and local taxes that can be 8%, 10%, 13% of your overall income, depending on the state. And then, of course, we have lower zero tax states like Florida, Tennessee, Texas, and New Hampshire as examples. Georgia, by the way, my state, there's still a high 5% state income tax but there's a really huge exemption once you turn age 62 and it gets even bigger once you're age 65. And that was put in place to keep more retirees here in the state of Georgia, not moving across the border to low-tax states, Florida and Tennessee. Speaking of dividend income, it often gets lost that we pay a different tax rate for dividends or qualified dividends versus good old-fashioned ordinary income. For example, if you're making $400,000 and you're single, that lands you, at least in the year 2021. Again, this is all subject to change, and these numbers are a moving target because Congress is always tinkering with tax rates. But if you're making $400,000 and you're, and you're single, your highest marginal bracket is 35% for ordinary income. That same person would only be in the 15% dividend tax bracket. For example... If you're making 400000 at work, that work income is going to be taxed up to 35% federal. And if you received dividends in that year, well, those dividends are only taxed at 15. But I'm going to put the net investment income tax aside and just focus in on the main dividend tax brackets relative to ordinary income. Now, for retirees or getting to retirement, even if you are a super high wage earner while you're working, you might not be in retirement. So it's not uncommon for retirees to land in the 10% or 12% bracket. So if you're single, that's up to $40,000. or married up to about $81,000. And in that case, your highest marginal bracket at about $81,000 a year as a couple, you're in the 12% income bracket. But if you stay in the 12% income bracket or lower, the tax on your qualified ordinary dividends is zero. That's a 0% tax rate, not the 15% rate like I talked about before. If you happen to eclipse one of these levels, let's say earning 82000 as a couple versus eighty in my example, doesn't mean that all of a sudden all your dividends are all of a sudden bumped up to the 15% bracket because our taxes are progressive. So in this case, you might have the majority of your dividends taxed at 0% and then a small amount taxed at 15%. Put it pretty simply, qualified dividend tax rates, for the most part, are advantageous relative to 
interest income or just good old-fashioned ordinary income. And it's something we have to take into consideration when answering the question for Carter and Agnes, how do they spend this money or maximize this money? So here are my thoughts. Number one, I wouldn't rent this home, even if she could get some really good rent. I think it's just a nightmare for Carter. He's trying to raise his kids. Now he's trying to take care of his mom. And now if he rents the house, who's responsible? It's going to be him. So he's managing the property and managing tenants. And even though rent might be relatively tax efficient, again, that's a more complicated calculation, the rent might be great, but perhaps it's just too complicated for this situation. So my thought here is that if you were to sell the house, it says Agnes gets a, here's another consideration, as long as you've lived in the house for two out of five years, and Agnes has, she gets a $250,000 exemption on any sort of capital gains on her house. Now, I don't think she has to worry about that anyway because she's only lived there a couple of years. But the whole three fifty dollars that she's going to sell the house for will likely be tax-free, back to her. So now, wait a minute. She can essentially liquidate the house and very likely not have much of a tax bill, if any. Then invest that $350,000 for dividends. Let's say she generates 4% a year from dividends. Let's say she goes out and buys a bunch of utility companies. And I'm not saying she should do that or you should do that, but as an example... 4% a year in dividends is going to generate about $14,000 a year for her. Her Social Security is $1,600 a month. That's $19,200. Add the fourteen dollars in dividends, and she still has a total income of about $33,000. Add in her RMD, or her required minimum distribution, which at her age would be just a little less than 5%. So let's call that $20,000 from her four hundred grand in IRA money. Now her total income is at $53,000. Remember, Agnes needs six grand a month. So it means she needs at least to net out $72,000 a year. Let's call it, because we need to net down to 72, let's call it another $30,000. Where would she be best to maybe pull that from? Well, if she pulls another $30,000 out of her IRA, that's more income tacked onto that $53,000. Now she's got overall income of eighty-three. dollars but if she pulls that money from the house proceeds, let's say in the first year, before it has a big gain on it, she's just pulling money from her principal. If there's no capital gain, then there should be no tax on it either. So imagine the thought process here. I can pull money from my IRA. It increases my income and I pay taxes on it. And it potentially pushes me up in a higher bracket. She still looks to be safe on the dividend rate at anywhere from 0% up to 15%. You don't even eclipse the qualified dividend tax rate until you get over $445,000 for single taxpayers. So she's safely in that preferable dividend zone. But selling the house allows her to have access to those house proceeds, let's say mostly invested in income-producing assets, and she can even leave a portion of it, let's call it a year or two or maybe more, in cash. So she's effectively just getting return of principal for that $30,000 difference without having to increase her overall tax bracket. Even though that sounds relatively complicated, think of just funding all of her needs from an IRA. If she needs $72,000, which lands her firmly in that 22% tax bracket, she would be choosing to pay taxes at that rate, 22% for 
for nearly all of her income versus the qualified dividend tax rate, which for her will be mostly at zero and a little bit at 15%, which is dramatically lower than her ordinary income rate at 22. So for me, the answer to this financial planning riddle, it's pretty straightforward. Sell the house, leave a portion of that in cash, invest the rest for dividends, pull out only the required minimum amount from the IRA. That money she'll have to pay taxes on, but it can certainly go towards the assisted living and have the rest of the income come from dividends that get produced once she's invested the house proceeds and the rest simply return of principal. Those are two very different paths. Here, Carter's at this fork in the road. And if he thinks carefully about which assets to use when and how to invest assets in one area versus another, he can help Agnes stay in a much lower bracket than just leaning heavily on the IRA. Anytime we talk about taxes, I've got to couch this heavily. I am not a CPA and taxes are far more complicated than this discussion we're having today. Everybody has some sort of tax nuance that is different, different deductions, different expenses that may or may not be able to be deducted, different ratios between Roth accounts, IRA accounts. And then for after-tax accounts, different levels of gain, loss, or money that's sitting at its just original value. So anytime you're thinking about how to best utilize your assets so that you net the most amount and pay the least in taxes, really sit down and have a conversation with your financial advisor and your accountant slash CPA to make sure the choices you're making are right for you and your tax situation. Also, when we're talking about something like assisted living, because there's a medical component here, it also may qualify for the medical expense tax deduction. And according to the IRS, any qualifying medical expenses that make up more than 7.5% of your adjusted gross income can be deducted. But the long and the short of this is that it's really important where we draw money from. And a little bit of strategic thought can save us a lot of money in the long run, or particularly in any given year when it comes to the rate we pay Uncle Sam. Hey, y'all, this is Mallory with the Retire Sooner team. Please be sure to rate and subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend. If you have any questions, you can find us at westmoss.com. That's W-E-S-M-O-S-S.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and YouTube. You'll find us under the handle Retire Sooner Podcast. And now for our show's disclosure. This podcast is provided to you as a resource for informational purposes only and is not to be viewed as investment advice or recommendations. This information is being presented without consideration of the investment objectives, risk tolerance, or financial circumstances of any specific investor and might not be suitable for all investors. It is not intended to and should not form a primary basis for any investment decision that you may make. Always consult your own legal, tax, or investment advisor before making any investment or financial planning considerations. Please refer to the full disclosure in the podcast description for any additional information.